Welcome to Torn Stubbs, the Trash Movie Podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and head of podcasts at Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk, and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. It's Halloween! Whoa! It's also our first anniversary. We released our first bunch of episodes a year ago today. With the Friday the 13th-a-thon. Yes, indeed. And because it's Halloween, everyone is entitled to one good podcast so Yay. we watched <laughs> we watched every single halloween movie that jamie lee curtis features in <laughs> beginning with the original back in 1978 all the way through the years until the new one in 2018 but not counting halloween 4 which there is a picture of her in oh is there but we haven't watched that one because she's not actually in it yeah so we've ignored halloween 3 4 5 and 6 yeah so we've done half the Halloween franchise, basically. Yeah, I mean, we just wanted to concentrate on Jamie Lee Curtis because she's returned to Haddonfield for the first time since 1981, since Halloween 2. Because she didn't go to Haddonfield in H2O or Resurrection, did That's she? That's very true, yeah. In H2O, she was in California somewhere. Yeah. Like Sunny Valley or something. Some shit. Sweet Valley High. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Sweet Valley High. <laughs> Do you remember when you first saw the original? Because it's one of your favourites, isn't it? Um, well, I kind of came through it like Scream was my gateway drug to horror, basically. like the f- I think I saw Scream 2 first because I was a moron. Um, I think Scream 2 was out on video, but then Scream 1, I couldn't find it in the video shop. So I got Scream 2 first, then I watched Scream. So obviously I knew the twist of Scream from watching the sequel first, uh-huh. like an absolute idiot. Um, but no, but those films can be standalone. Oh yeah, they, they kind of can. Um, but the first time I saw Halloween was through the first fil- Scream film. Because when Randy, Jamie Kennedy, is explaining the rules of the horror film... Of course. His kind of PowerPoint presentation is Halloween by John Carpenter. Mm. Um, so I kind of... I'd never actually seen the film. I only knew it through Stings, you know, in Scream. Um, <laughs> Stings. Stings. What was he doing? <laughs> he was watching it as well with the police. Yeah, he loves it. He loves it so much. It's all about like law and order. Did yeah. you enjoy it? The first Halloween. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did. I was surprised at how. Um, obviously, I was watching it in the nineties, so it had been twenty years by mm-hmm. then. So I was like, mm, "This is really, really creaky." Um, creaky in a good way, or just as in like. Just ropey, piss poor filmmaking. It's not piss poor filmmaking. It's it's just kind of dated. Like the teenagers yeah. are dated. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the style of it is quite dated now. Like very kind of slow build. All the things that basically you celebrate about Halloween are the things that have dated. I yes, think. I would agree. Um, but yeah, I, I it wasn't my favorite. I think my favorite was Halloween Four. Um, I think because it just had that slightly more modern feeling to it. Um, and that was... I have never seen what? 4, 5 and 6. Have you not? No. Because they formed I mean, you know how own... much I love slasher films. Oh, I know. I'm not surprised at all, actually. <laughs> they formed their own little kind of trilogy. Oh, I understand that. Yeah, it's um, her daughter or something. It's Yeah, it's Laurie Strode's daughter. They've had a, there was a car crash. 
Laurie apparently died in the car crash and, and she her actually survived. died in, in that storyline, that yeah. era. She actually had died. She had died. Yes. And her daughter had been adopted into this, this family, the Carruthers family, who have a teenage daughter. Um, and it kind of follows Jamie Lloyd's... Um, Jamie Lloyd is the daughter is of Laurie. the daughter, sorry. Her downfall um, into... Well, she dies in Halloween 6. Yeah. Um, Spoilers. Spoiler, sorry, guys. That's in a really to, horrific um... way, actually. The, the start of Halloween 6 is awful. She basically gets like thrown onto a piece of farming machinery and Michael turns it on and just guts her from the inside with this disgusting machinery. That's similar in a way to Friday the 13th. They have their own little Tommy trilogy throughout, don't yeah, they? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it was roughly... I mean, I, I don't think you could say one was copying the other because they were happening kind of simultaneously. Yeah, definitely. Although, I mean, Halloween 2 did fall into the trap of copying but we'll get to that yeah so the first time i saw halloween i was watching it on my own i was alone in the stranger's house and i was babysitting i was babysitting no way i was babysitting so i was alone in in a strange house i'd never been in before i mean the house wasn't strange but it was strange to me (laughs) you were strange as well (laughs) it wasn't like it wasn't like the house was a maze or something (laughs) but i had the lights on they had a black cat that kept walking around me and to my left, so to my right was like the rest of the house, the living room, kitchen, whatever. To my left were the patio doors with no curtains. To the left, to the left. <laughs> the Ooh. patio doors to the left with no curtains. So, oh. and I had the lights on, so I couldn't see out. But whoever was in the garden, if anyone could see in. Oh, yes. So it started and it's like, do, 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 do. And I'm like, shit, I'm uh, all alone. I'm all alone. <laughs> and there's a big patio door to my left and I can't see out but something could loom in so I found it really unnerving heightened by my odd situation Mm -hmm. I then didn't probably watch it again until maybe I don't know 10 or so years ago maybe around university time and then I didn't watch it again until recently for this so I've only seen it three times and it has fucking dated it has definitely it's really aged it really has um, but I, I was surprised I at it, how a lot of the the really really effective stuff, really is still effective. Like what? So Michael Myers's mask is really still very creepy because it's got a real timelessness to it. It's just well, a it creepy depends what he's doing. Face. So when he stood amongst the washing line, yeah, that's pretty damn scary. When he's coming out of, it's not even actually he's not coming out of the room. He stood in the room and then light just begins to form on his face Mm. that's creepy and when he wears the the ghost sheet that's actually really quite creepy as well i think well i've seen you know i've seen too many scooby-doo cartoons to find that (laughs) scary that was laughable yeah i think that shows michael has a bit of a sadistic either sense of humor or just way of being yeah well he's is that's the thing that's really clever about that first film is that John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, who wrote, uh, they co-wrote it together. They basically kind of created this mythological boogeyman mm. who exists within fear. Like he, he literally is just kind of fear itself. And so he, he takes on all these different guises and he can literally be anything. He could be anything and be anyone. And so he takes on, the the things that are scary so like a ghost like a sheet ghost is really yeah. traditional but when you put a sheet over michael myers it's suddenly really fucking scary 
The idea of the boogeyman and the myth of Michael Myers, I don't think is as heavy in the first film as it is later on. I think you need those years to have passed the hindsight for Michael to become a myth. Yeah. Well, actually, do you know what? Like, the boogeyman is kind of an American thing anyway, isn't it? Um, Because I never heard the phrase boogeyman as a kid. Oh, no, no. We had, when I was at school um, in the late 80s, primary school, so I'm like four, five, six, that sort of age. There was always rumours of the boogeyman living at the bottom of the football field in the woods. Oh, really? Yeah, and we, you know, we did not want to go down there. Yeah, I think that the, the elegance of the first film is, and you can only do it once, is that you don't explain anything. You don't, uh, like, so the whole idea of him being this boogeyman, this force of evil, like kind of evil incarnate, which is all kind of told to us by Donald Pleasance's, char- Pleasance's yeah. character, Sam Loomis. Mm-hmm. Um, His eyes! His eyes, evil is gone. This isn't a man. <laughs> He's the worst doctor. <laughs> Psychiatrists don't resort to this kind of hysteria. They yeah. have very intelligent ways of describing and um, not justifying, but explaining someone's psychotic behavior. Yeah. They don't suddenly go, He's evil. (laughs) He has to be stopped. He's coming. Tell the sheriff. I'll stand on every fucking street. Miss him when he he turns a corner, but I'll stand on every fucking street. Unless he's the first psychologist to actually discover somebody who is pure evil. Like he is, he thinks he's the devil. I mean, it's obviously that's never going to happen because psychologists will always kind of rationalize or try to understand. But maybe he's the first guy who's like, holy shit. This actually is evil. He's failed as a psychologist. He's massively failed. Yeah. Insanely um, failed. Although Donald Pleasance succeeded because he did every film up until the sixth. He did one, two, four, five, four, six. five and six, and then he died. Yes. Yeah. And then somebody else did, did his, his voice, voice for H2O terribly. and the, the, the new one. The opening yeah. of this one actually interested me more than the rest of the film. Because yeah. we have this point of view of someone or something approaching a house going into the house um grabbing a knife going upstairs stabbing a topless girl to death coming downstairs and then the mask that we actually see that point of view character put on before he kills the girl is revealed to be a six-year-old boy blonde haired blue-eyed quite innocent looking kind of wholesome and american like if one of the waltons had suddenly gone rogue (laughs) jim bob what are you doing with that knife, Jim Bar? <laughs> you okay, boy? I've just come with you, Grain Bar. <laughs> but I found that more interesting. And I found it really... I, I was really annoyed, more so this time, that it just skips forward 15 years from 63 to 78. And we don't see the fallout of that. We don't understand why that kid did that. Why was Michael a killer? Why did he decide to kill his sister? What drove him to it? Yeah, we never find out. We're just given... This kind of this kind of supernatural explanation, which is that he's just evil. But that's not that's not super. Like, is that supernatural? Well, I suppose it becomes supernatural because it the fact that he's pure evil means that he seem seemingly can't die. But you know, they they never and, like in the way that the, the Fridays the Thirteenth do go supernatural with yeah. like demons and monsters and shit. And you know he's under the water, then he comes back alive because he gets electrocuted or whatever. How do we never do that? It's always just a man and he for some strange reason he cannot die yeah or he comes back somehow i mean it's very very ambiguous and the, the films never 
the the good films never really try to explain it. The bad films start going. He's part of a cult. He's he's like. He, Is that what one of the the four, five, and six do? Yeah, the end of number like number five ends on a well, number four and five both end on cliffhangers. Number four has a great cliffhanger, which is that Jamie Lloyd, she, um, it basically recreates the opening of the first Halloween where she puts on a mask, she goes upstairs and she stabs her stepmother Why? to death in the bathroom. And it's almost like the prophecy or the, you know, this kind of prophecy has been handed on to her. Um, and then episode five, episode five, <laughs> film number five, ends with this mysterious man in black turning up. And kind of, I think he rescues Michael or he like, he locks Michael up somewhere. We never find out who he is. Um, and then in, in episode six, we discover that right? he's like, oh. no, no, no. He's, he's like the, he, he's like the leader of this cult called the Thorn Cult. Okay. And Michael's got a thorn tattoo on his wrist and it starts to explain it. It's this cult thing. A load of old bollocks. So, <laughs> yeah, it's rubbish. The idea of not telling the audience enough information does work in the first because the first is more it's more of like a uh, it's more allegorical it's the Hmm. the invasion of the suburbs by someone who isn't from the suburbs but a real danger not just someone coming from the city for a visit he's coming for a purpose and he's got a knife yeah well that's what i meant when i said you can only do this trick once yes and it works really well in the first film because the story isn't necessarily why or how or or who it's more just like what what is he going to do but i would like i i I would have liked them i would have liked them to explain what happened in that 15 years there is a um so there's like two versions of halloween there's the theatrical version yeah and there's a tv version oh and the tv version cuts out a lot of the more kind of disturbing kill stuff Okay, which and I it, didn't find many of the, the kills that disturbing, to well, be honest, in the first one. No, but they add in new scenes, which are kind of flashbacks to um, Sam Loomis talking with Michael when he's a kid, or talking at Michael when he's a kid. Okay. Um, there's like little bits of that. Shot at the same time or shot retrospectively? I don't know, actually. I think maybe they were shot after the theatrical release and they they were asked to shoot it for the TV version, maybe. A number um, of years after or almost... No, around the same time. Okay. Yeah. Because I know there was a, a, a book adaptation back in the day when you would have a novelization. Yeah. So you would take a film that wasn't a novel and then make it into a novel and that would be released. And Which they still do. Do they? Yeah. They do it with Star Wars all the time. No, they do like books that set in between, don't they? They also do novelizations. They do? Yeah. Oh, wow. Because I, I would love that. to do that job. <laughs> Sorry? I would love to do that job. Really? It would be great fun. Oh. Yeah. We'll start pushing in that way then. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... There's, in in the novelization, they talk about a um, old Irish or Celtic curse that has been placed upon the Myers family, and that's oh. why Michael is the way he is. Mm. I just find that boring. Yeah, but I I would much prefer the psychological analysis yeah. of Michael, and I'm pretty sure did Rob Zombie do something like that, or at least we saw more of the backstory, the the abuse that Michael. Yeah, Rob had Zombie's suffered. Rob Zombie's film from like 2007. It was kind of a half remake and a half reboot kind of thing. Like the first half Re-imagining. of the film. Yeah, the first half of the film is, is Michael as a kid. Yeah. Um, in this very comedy, kind of impoverished, like it, like a Don't oh, Breathe. Oh, like Don't Breathe. Yeah, like this kind of comedy impoverished redneck yeah. household. Like and just then, tropes. Yeah, and yeah. then the second half is a, a remake of 
the original Halloween. Yeah. Um, compressed down, obviously, massively. <clears throat> Which, to be honest, is not such a bad thing. I yeah. had to watch, when I watched it again this time, I had to watch it in three blocks. But that's, just, that's normal for you. You always do that. <laughs> with slashers, yes. Yeah. Any other film, I could just watch it straight through. I could watch 2001 straight through. I'm the hooked is, on that stuff. Well, we all know about that. Um, the thing about Halloween is, is it there isn't really much to it. It's it's very straightforward and very kind of, simple. Like the, they arrive at their babysitting jobs thirty minutes into the film. Yeah, and before that, it's all talking. Um, you oh, know, talking the, shit. The teenage so girls dull. talking together. <laughs> um, well, it doesn't help that Nancy Keys, who played Annie Brackett, is like an awful, awful actress. Just so awful, unbelievably but bad. But also, it doesn't help that they don't really say much. There's it's just not kind that of much, teenage shit. But yeah, but it's not. There's not like any character. It's not, there's no character building, and eventually, everyone dies except Laurie. Spoilers, but well, the, you know that's where that trope came from. So what was the point? We learn nothing about them, and then they die. Well, there's there is actually character building because we learn a shit ton about Laurie Strode, which is that you know everyone has a, a certain idea about her. You know they think she's bookish and not interested in boys, and she's this like naive little wallflower. So yeah, we we learn tons about her. There's tons of character character building for her, um, and there's actually quite a lot for PJ Souls' character, who I've completely forgotten her name, but she's kind of the kind of the typical blonde horror bimbo. Yeah, and um, there's loads for her as well. You know, we get we get a real sense of who these teenagers are. So I don't think it's actually quite as throwaway as that at all. Um, but in terms of like the story, it's very straightforward. It's just kind of you know setting it up to knock it down. Um, what do you think of Jamie Lee Curtis's performance? She's I really like her in I really like her in the first one a lot. Um, she she really does capture that because I mean she's from Hollywood. She's yeah. her mother is Janet Lee, Psycho Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she's such a self. Her father was Tony woman. Curtis, right? Exactly. Tony Curtis. Tony with his sailor boat. Tony Curtis. Oh, yes. Um, but she manages, she does that, like Sissy Spacek in Carrie, she yeah. buttons it down. And she very, um, she's really convincing as this just kind of like small town girl. Um, the only time that she gets annoying is in the final act when she's like, ah, well, yeah, she becomes a run and scream. Ah, the keys, the keys. Yes. I laughed so hard when that bit when she fell over. The keys, the keys. Who's she talking to? <laughs> talking to no one. What do you think of her? I, I really like Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. like as a person to watch in interviews, mm-hmm. especially in this Me Too era. She is not holding back. In one of the interviews with a new one, she referred to uh, Bill Cosby as a piece of shit, <laughs> whereas not many people are. They're being kind of polite about it, but condemning him. She's really going out there. Mm. So I like her as a person. I like a lot of her roles. I do. I don't think this is her strongest role and it's not her fault it's just a really the script isn't deep the star of the movie there's two stars of the movie really the music and Michael Myers yeah absolutely which she is, why, is essentially is a side think, character which is why they thought they could build a franchise without Laurie Strode yeah because all they need is those two things it's like how on Friday the 13th it's all about the mask the, the title um, and the and the kills yeah Kill her mummy, kill her mummy. That's what it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just never remember we mentioned that on the... <laughs> so I'm doing it now. <laughs> However many episodes, 60 episodes yeah. later. 60 episodes? Yeah. Christ. Um, in terms of Michael as a character, do you see him 
as a character in this film? It's so difficult to it's so difficult to figure that out because he's become I don't know. But just based on watching the first film, imagine yeah. that was the only one yeah. that ever existed. Is he a character? Does he have enough personality to elevate him above shape, trope? Um, I think so, because there are moments when he, you know, when he tilts his head and he's kind of thinking about mm. what he's just done or he's looking at what he's just done. He's when got, he's just stabbed the guy on the wall. Yeah, he's barb, he stabbed barb against the wall. Um, and then obviously wearing the sheet and um, there's a moment when the mask comes off and he kind of grabs his head. And you, kind and you of, see his face. And you see his face briefly. It's been stabbed it? through the eye with yeah. the hanger. So yeah, there are, he definitely is a character, but I think what I've read John Carpenter saying that he didn't want anyone to ever um, kind of relate to him. Yeah. So he's not a character in the sense that there's depth and there's something that you can really grab onto. All you, only the sense you, the only sense you really get of him is that he's a killer and he's not going to stop, which is, that's pretty scary. It doesn't work past the first film no, for me. No. At all. And actually that's true of the, the new one, the Halloween 2018, which we know Red Acts, basically the entire franchise and just says it's a sequel to this first yeah. film. And that's all well and good, but, but removing the idea that he is the brother of Laurie actually makes, I think, the... the the this sequel feel completely pointless and it like i said you can only do it once you can only have him running around or not even running around strolling around killing people once <laughs> yeah. you can't just do it again just for no reason it, it has to be more than that i think but the fact so, that in the halloween 2 yeah the original sequel to the original yeah released in 1981 but set pretty much it picks up where the first one left off which is very unusual for that time, I, I think. Maybe that was one of the first films to ever do that. Mm. Even The Godfather was, you know, they jumped a, a good decade in between those two films. But the reveal that Laurie is his sister, does that add anything to it? Does that, does that improve the first film? In a weird way, I think it makes the first film more confusing. Because <laughs> yeah. then, it would, then the questions arise... Uh, how did he know he had a sister when she was born? She was born after the murders, wasn't she? Yeah. How did he know where she lived? How did he know what she looked like? Yeah, it does raise a ton of questions. And I don't think that... I mean, that happened basically because of the whole Luke and Leia thing. Like The reason John Carpenter wrote them as brother and sister in Halloween 2 is because Luke and Leia turned out to be brother and sister. Really? Yeah, that's the only Fuck's reason sake. he did that. It just seems a bit... Halloween 2 is completely lazy. Like if, if if Jamie Lee Curtis had almost nothing to do in the first one, she was not. It's not that she had nothing to do in the second one. She couldn't do anything because she was in bed for an hour. <laughs> she spent the first hour of the film in a coma. Yeah, that ha lasted an hour. <laughs> the thing is, like Halloween was made on the cheap, but Halloween two looks cheap and feels cheap. Yeah, you know, it's kind of it. It's it's the reason that slasher films got or horror films got such a bad reputation in the 80s in the 80s because the literally the only reason they made halloween 2 is because the producer of halloween 1 they had huge success with halloween then they saw a load of other slasher films coming out making a ton of money 
and the producer said, shit, we better make Halloween 2. And so they did. Yeah. And that... Well, Halloween 1 cost $300,000, yeah. made $50 million. Yeah. So, and it's, I think it's still considered the most profitable independent film ever. Yeah. Ever. More than, more than Clerks, because Clerks is up there as well. Mm. And I know that John Carpenter said, well, I don't want to do one, but if they're going to do one, I deserve to get money for it, so I'd better write it. Yeah. So Pretty that's much. why he didn't direct it. He's a producer or executive producer, writer. But it is a really piss He did actually direct some scenes. Did he? Yeah. But it's just so piss poor. And it, it's, it's almost worse than his worst moments. Like, you know, Mars of, uh, what's it, Vampires of Mars or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or Escape from LA. Yeah. Or They Live. They Live is great. Le- they Live is, the idea is great, but the actual pull-off is just, it's terrible. I love it. Such a shapeless movie. No, I love it. Like this, Halloween 2. And it seems pointless. The only reason it seems to have been made, like, uh, narratively, is to introduce the fact that Michael and Laurie are siblings. Everything else, you could lose all of that. It could just be a tag-on. It could be a post-end credit sequence. It feels like a TV special where they kind of went, all right, well, let's just, like, let's just wrap up this whole Laurie Michael thing. Yeah. And then they obviously planned to then move into anthology with Halloween three season of the witch. Yeah. So it, it has a real kind of a really cheap TV feel to it where they just tacked something on the end just to finish up the story. Yeah. But Laurie, does Laurie even discover that he's her brother? In Not the film? on screen. No, she doesn't discover that it's only Loomis and the, yeah. the Nan- uh, Nancy. What's her face? Nancy. But Stevens. she must've known, because by the time that Halloween H2O came out in 1998, which yeah. is a sequel to this, because Halloween H2O retcons... Four, five, some and six. Of, yeah, three, four, five, and, and, and six, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, it doesn't actually completely, because the... No, op- I was thinking of this on the train uh, over. Well, the opening credits for Halloween H2O, where you've got that, the, the board with all the case files and the pictures yeah. on, there is a, there's a picture, a photograph of bloody scissors... And the only time anyone's ever been killed with scissors in Halloween is in Halloween 5. Okay. When they get some scissors shoved down their throat and it's really actually quite horrible because it's a character that you love. But there's also a newspaper clipping that says that Laurie died in a car crash. Oh, yes. Which is Halloween 4. Which is, well, yeah, well, pre- Halloween in, in, in 4. Um, but then in H2O, she even says, I faked my own death. Mm. But that then makes me think, because they, they always said H2O is retconning. This is a direct sequel to the Halloween 2. We're ignoring 4, 5, and 6. But it can't be. That daughter must still exist in the H2O timeline. I think so. Which definitely. makes me think that yeah. Laurie Strode is an asshole Because <laughs> yeah. she's ignored a daughter that she had. And now she's got John, her son, played by Josh Hartnett, with the same haircut. Yeah. They go to the same bar. Well, Michael's got the same haircut as her by then. Michael's got a a particular look that is very fashionable in East London right now. <laughs> White face, like shaggy hair. Shaggy hair. Yeah. And and actually, if you took the Halloween mask off, he's actually got a moustache for, for Movember. <laughs> um, but again, what is going on with my mind? It's like Swiss cheese. Do you know what? My mind right now is just going... That's the thing that is hilarious. Halloween 2, I used to love as a teenager. As a teenager, I loved the Halloween franchise. I couldn't get enough of it. I watched it over and over again. But then watching Halloween 2 now, a good 20 years after I last saw it, 
I was immediately howling with laughter because it re it refreshes your memory by basically replaying the end of the first Halloween. Yes. But with really awful music. It's like like but they just, you know, they just update the theme tune. But like when so Limp Biscuit did the Mission Impossible theme tune. It's unnecessary. It's so awful. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with keeping the original. It was only five years as well. Yeah. Only five years. But that but the but it just shows like it immediately shows the the difference between Halloween and Halloween Two, where Hallow- the music in that scene in Halloween was very sparing. It was very kind of sparse. And then now that they're replaying at the start of Halloween Two, it's and then Loomis is immediately an absolute raving lunatic. Yeah, and he's like, "You don't know what death is," and then runs <laughs> off. And then that bit when he's like, I shot him six times. I shot him six times. He's also gained a lot of weight. <laughs> Literally in the space of five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Was Laurie the intended victim? In the first film. In the first film. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Because he follows Tommy at school. He, he's, the little kid. He follows the little kid, Tommy, on his way home from school. And you kind of think, mm, okay, is he like trying to recruit more like child killers? Like what's going on there? Like it's just—it's really odd that he's—he's he's kind of coincidentally followed this kid from school and then targeted the babysitters around him. Yeah, and it's also a weird coincidence that Tommy lives just down the street from the Myers house. Yeah, which has now been abandoned. I love that they're called um, the Myers. The Myers, everyone's favorite Jewish serial killer. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I—I think... I don't think she was because he doesn't go to that house. He is across the street. Yeah, killing thingy. And Annie. Bob. Annie. Well, yeah. And putting Julie's, his sister's, the one that he murdered, gravestone, which looks great for a 15-year-old tombstone, yeah, yeah. on the bed, then goes across the street because he follows Laurie. Because he follows her, yeah. So it's a real coincidence that that just turned out to be his sister. Yeah. Because Halloween 2 are retconning it that he was gunning for her. Yeah. I never really thought about that, actually. Because in the... In the the sequel, this year's 2018 sequel, there is a similar, there's a, there's a thing where Michael starts just kind of moving through the town, just randomly going into houses and yeah. killing people. And it's like, was he going to do that anyway in the first film? But he got sidetracked with babysitters and stuff. <laughs> like he would have carried on through the street. It's very murky. You're never really, not entirely sure what is going on. Like, what's he doing? Did he find a house he particularly liked the look of and thought, yeah, I'm going to do that one? But that's the problem when you don't explain things. Yeah. Because I think it allows you... It's almost like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, if you haven't fully worked something out, boom, it's fine, we'll just leave it. We'll leave it to mystery. We'll leave it to mythos. Yeah, true. So it's the night night he came home. He didn't come home at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, he went to his old home, but it's not his home. No, I know what you mean. I think it definitely... It's a film that is effective in the watching, but it does kind of fall apart if you try to rationalise everything or try to understand exactly what's going on. With repeat viewings. With repeat viewings, yeah. That crash in Halloween 2 was utterly ridiculous. Hilarious. I laughed so much through Halloween 2. I've had such a great time. It's so ridiculous. That body that burnt to death dried out pretty quick (laughs) because 20 minutes later, they've got it on on the coroner's desk, scraping like... Like, yeah. when, you know, when you burn your toast, you just have to scrape it a little bit. <laughs> I like how he's like, oh, his teeth are a bit fucked. And it's like, I, really? I don't, they wouldn't be that bad, yeah, would they? They look quite good. Yeah. It was the only bit of him that did look good. Do you know who that guy was actually meant to be? 
kind of it's not explained on screen the dead guy yeah who he's ben tramer who's that laurie's crush in the first film oh tragic why didn't they explain that i don't know like maybe it was in the book i don't know while laurie's in her comatose state she's having i was about to say flashbacks but it's not it's only one flashback she's stood as a girl next to a woman putting up some washing and the woman's really off with her and she says i'm not your mother yeah what sort of adopted parent talks to their child in this way a pretty bad one yeah it, that's that that's a weird. real shocking thing yeah that's true that's a more like real life shocking stuff but i thought they were going to run with that kind of you know that that flashback thread mm. i thought this is i because th- i couldn't remember i hadn't seen halloween 2 since just after i seen halloween the original i thought that was how laurie was going to realize that michael's actually her me brother and, and peace hashtag me too and piece it all together and they abandoned it immediately no, it was fucking lazy the, the way they actually reveal it yeah the woman reading literally the script in the car yeah i think that the the only films that really do laurie any justice are the first Halloween and Halloween H2O and all the other films, that the all other three films that she's in, um, treat her with, just treat her like bullshit. Like Halloween 2, she's either comatose or she's like crawling around. She's a run and, run and Hiding. Yeah. Doing the hidey thing. Um, and yes, she does actually like shoot Michael in the eyes, which is pretty cool at the end of Halloween 2. Um, First time she's ever picked up a gun. Yeah, pretty (laughs) Pretty good. Supernatural. (laughs) Um, And she turns on all the gas canisters, which helps blow him up. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not necessarily a a skill you need to learn. It's just turning. But shooting through the eyes with an old school revolver, that's pretty... It's effective. I mean, that's very, it's very skillful. Yeah. Well done, Laurie. Well done, Laurie. But Halloween Resurrection treats her like shit. Yeah. Like Halloween H2O gives her this triumphant fuck yeah ending yeah which then resurrection like just rips out from under her feet oh, immediately it, it undermines it and it's terrible and then she kisses michael and says see you in hell like fuck off that film does not exist to me <laughs> um but then sadly i also think that halloween 2018 doesn't do her justice either okay well we're gonna come on so to that we'll get on to that in halloween 2 is she the only patient in that entire hospital it's pretty dead yeah it's pretty dead Rick Rosenthal, who directed the film, who also directed Halloween Resurrection, who actually I met one time, uh-huh. name dropper. Um, and then he makes a small ding, not a clang. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I bumped into him at a film festival in the queue and I was like, Rick Rosenthal. Well, did you recognise him? Well, I saw his name tag. Could have been just a random Jewish guy. <laughs> well, I was like, wait a and minute. And there are many Rosenthals. Did you direct Halloween to... And he was like, yeah, I did. And I was like, oh, cool. I love that movie. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. How comes he came back for a resurrection? I, I can't remember. He wanted to add the conservatory to his house. He needed I guess the money. So. Yeah, I don't know. Um, he based it on when he's, he was staying in a hospital one time with his wife and it was completely deserted at night. So apparently it happens. Was there a hot tub in that hospital as well? That was just, oh my God. That was shocking. And I feel really bad for that actress because she did not want to do that scene. She was like, I do not want to do this topless scene. It's stupid. And they basically said, you've got to do it. So she did. Pretty horrific so, way to die, though. Really awful. And a lot of the death stuff, or a lot of the kills in Halloween 2, were actually shot by John Carpenter. Oh, really? Which is what I meant earlier when I was saying how Halloween 2 got lost in the slash of Scrum. Um, and actually, where, whereas Halloween set a lot of the kind of the rules for the, the slasher movie, 
by the time Halloween 2 came out, all these other slasher movies had set their own rules, which meant that Halloween 2 was actually was lagging behind. Oh, I see. So then when Rick Rosenthal directed Halloween 2, he wanted to try to replicate the very sparse, non-gory mood of the first film. Mm-hmm. And then John Carpenter was like, holy shit, look at like Friday the 13th with all this blood everywhere. Yeah. And he shot all these death scenes with blood and stuff. So that, that the first girl to die, when I mean, she's on the phone to her friend. Uh, that's gone out of my head. Well, she's on the phone to her friend. She's like, what, Michael Myers? What are you talking about? Oh, in the house. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And he jumps out like a cat and then kills her. Yes. That was John Carpenter added that in. Okay. What? Um, after? After the film had been shot. Yeah. Did Dr. Loomis feel guilty for not curing Michael he didn't did he no because he didn't think there was anything to cure what's that felt what's that from what when someone says that oh it's um Storm in X-Men and she's like you can't cure us because there's nothing to cure <laughs> I don't think she did a lot that <laughs> oh my god there's nothing to cure here <laughs> she's not Beyonce <laughs> but like he, there must be a reason why he sacrificed himself at the end of Halloween 2 the original one from 1981 it's yeah. all so fucked up. All the different names they keep stealing. But he must have felt yeah. guilty because he did sacrifice himself. One of the things that I didn't understand about Halloween 2, which was... So in Halloween, it's all very localised. And the things that Michael does, kind of... He's not like just suddenly appearing all over the place. He's yeah. just in one place by that house. He's killing certain people. It's all very localised. Halloween 2... He's like, either he's like outside and then suddenly he's in the basement and then suddenly he's upstairs and then suddenly he's like slashed every single tire in the entire car park. Yeah. Parking lot, I was going to say. Or cut the brakes, the, the gas yeah. fuel, because the cars won't start. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sorry, how much time has he got in his hands? Because he was very busy that night. Very busy. It yeah. was the night he came home. He it was had a night... lot to do. He was only home for one night. <laughs> he was the... Before he was washing for mum to do. It was the night he came home and got busy. <laughs> That's a different film. That's a Roger Corman film. <laughs> There's some really telling moments at the end when she's in the ambulance at the end. Yeah. And she's looking sort of exhausted, but tense and strong and defiant because she has survived yet again. It cuts to Michael burning. So what is the connection that's been made there? Does she, in that moment, realise just on whatever level, a gut feeling level, that that's my sibling? Well, it's like Star Wars again. She's like, Michael? Laurie? But she's not psychic. (laughs) Um, And Michael never speaks. No, he doesn't. Apparently he was, they were thinking about having him speak in one of the films and they were like, nah, that's stupid. Yeah. Which it is. Um, I mean, it's just as stupid as not having him speak. She's probably just thinking about the fact that he's burning and she's like, is it actually over then? That's what I think. And of course it's not. It's not. Because jump forward 16 years, 17 years actually. Well, we get H2O. Wait, that's how old John is in H2O. So she had him right after that. No, no, no. Because the one... No, 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 was Halloween 2, but Halloween 2 is set in 1978. I had that same thing and I had to cross my notes out because I was like, wait a moment, (laughs) I found a fucking fault. (laughs) What, another one? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Halloween H2O is literally called Halloween H2O dash 20 years later. That is the full title. Yeah. And there's no water in it whatsoever. No water whatsoever. No. It's not even set near water. In fact, no. it looks like it's set on the edge of the desert. It's pretty dry. It's pretty it's very dry. Yeah. 
But it's directed by Steve Miner. He also directed Friday the 13th Part 2. And 3. And 3. Yeah. Which is why uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt wears a hockey mask. Yes. Because it's a reference to our friend Throwback. Jason. But he was also a producer on Felicity, Smallville, and... Dawson's Creek. Hello, Michelle Williams. My fave. My fave, yes. Yeah, well, and also Kevin Williamson. Was he involved in this? Yeah, he he was originally going to write the script. Okay. He ended up writing a treatment, like an eight-page treatment, which is actually quite long for a treatment. Mm-hmm. And then they, they kind of used that as a basis for the script. So, right. Yeah, because okay. he was obviously part of Dimension with Scream. Yes, and this is a Miramax Dimension movie. Yes. Um, and it only happened because Scream was such a runaway success and then mm. all these slasher films started coming out like Cherry Falls. Is yeah. that the one with Jay Moa as yeah. a crossdresser? Yeah. Okay. I that, one's, that one. That one I I was really disappointed that it didn't go edgier than it could have. But they were they were teen. They weren't aimed at adults. Yeah, these yeah. were aimed at the Dawson's Creek crowd. But you know, Scream doesn't happen if Dawson's Creek didn't happen. Cherry Falls is pretty grubby though. And there's a really odd suggestion of like kind of an incestuous relationship between her, the daughter and the father. It's really weird. I haven't seen it since it came out. Well, borrow it. I've got it on DVD. Uh, I'm washing my hair. <laughs> Again. Do you remember seeing this for the first time? Yeah, I loved H2O so much. And it's, it's still my favourite of the franchise. I'm going to say that as well, yeah. Because it's, it's, a, it's a post-Scream Halloween. It's not perfect. So, so where Halloween 2 was post... Halloween 2 was post-Halloween. It was post-Slasher. Yes. Um... Halloween H2O is post-Scream, so it's kind of... Post-modern. Post-post-modern. Right. It's slick. It's knowing. It doesn't look cheap. It looks like a proper film. Um, is, it, is it a slasher film, though? Well, that's the thing, because I think that it's... Um, Scream changed the, the slasher landscape. Mm-hmm. It kind of it sliced it right down the middle, and there's you got left with either the slasher films that were kind of for the people who loved them back in the the 80s and the 90s and you know but had grown up so they wanted they still loved horror but they wanted something a bit more to chew on yes and then you've so you got talk about all the meta knowing stuff the, knowing the fact stuff. that the characters in scream know about jason and freddie and michael myers and they understand film and it just so happens that they are having a, a situation where there is a slasher in their real world. Yeah, so it, it's postmodern, but also it's more than that. It, it's a more psychologically mature film. The characters feel like real characters. They feel They're like not real just tropes. people. They're not just tropes. They have interesting things to say. They have interesting relationships. And then on the other side of the knife is the just the typical low-budget, let's get some girls to get their boobs out, throw blood around... Yeah. kind of you know the traditional stupid slasher so scream post scream you were, you were one of the two i think and that still remains the same today on the rare occurrence that a, a slasher is released i can't remember the last time i mean apart from scream four but i didn't see mm. it but you know a, a genuine uh, you know genuine you know what i mean a non-ironic non-meta slasher like a, a diehard actual slasher i can't remember the last time one came out can you uh well there, there's like i mean not they're not hugely high profile. There's things like Hatchet, which is a franchise that's been going on since the 2000s. Okay. Um, so they are out there, but a lot of them don't really get theatrical releases anymore because um, they're just not fashionable. So... Well, I mean, it was... To be honest, it was kind of dead by the time that Resurrection was released. 
Oh, God, yeah. Because Resurrection came out three years after, four years after... Five years, 2002. H2O. Yeah. Four years. So by that point, you'd it, had two I Know What You Did Last Summer films. You'd had three, three Urban screens. Legend films. Three, three oh, screens. God, you remember three, Urban three Legend, screens, yes. Yeah. To another Chucky film. Yes. In fact, another two Chucky films, I think. And um, J-Horror was just around the corner. Yeah. By that time. By 2003, everyone was on J-Horror. It was all about The Ring and The Grudge. Right. And all the other ones that I don't know how to pronounce. Yeah. And then it obviously turned into torture porn stuff. Yes. So, yeah, by by the early 2000s, it was done. It was done again. It was They come in very short cycles. And it's hilarious looking back now. Um, because in the 90s, I was like, whoa, the 80s was so long ago. I'd never seen <laughs> I'd never seen any of these films. And I kind of caught up through my video shop. Um but then actually, the the Scream came along only like six, was it 96? It was eight years after Halloween 4. Um, yeah. And seven years after Halloween 5. And actually, I think Halloween 6 came out 1995. Yeah, it did. So it came out one year before Scream. And, and so, it must feel so... And that was so, Dimension Films as well. But the, the, the difference must feel so great. Because even at the time, I actually remember thinking, Scream feels so ahead of its time. Yeah. And it looked slick. Mm. And that fell over into this one. This one, this H2O, is a really slick, fast-paced movie. It's barely 80 minutes. Yeah, it's really short. It's as long as a TV movie. Yeah, it really And whilst, it's, whilst it is my favourite of all the Halloween movies, including mm. this new one, which I, I, I did like. Um, it's not a perfect movie. No. We've like, got what, odd... is, what is LL Cool J's role in this film? What is yeah. the point of his character other than to let Josh Hartner out through the gate? Yeah, that's... I feel like that's a role that they probably wrote for that purpose to get him out of the gates. And then they were like, But also for cool LL Cool J, J let's big it up. And then they puffed Because he just done... Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Same and role. Same just without exactly a parrot. the same role. Yeah, it's just bizarre. Just without a parrot. Yeah. I don't think this is a, a slasher. I don't think it's a slasher at all. It's I don't not, even man. think it's a horror. I think it's a thriller mm. that deals with PTSD mm. and family issues. Oh, God, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, because the things that are foregrounded are Laurie's trauma. Mm-hmm. And her relationship with her son and how how her past trauma, you know, influences that relationship and how she's passing on the trauma. It's like, um, I mean, obviously it's not as highbrow as Hereditary, which came out this year, but that <laughs> film is about passing on trauma through genetics, through the family line. But you know um, what? You know which one I'd rather watch? <laughs> H2O. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know I enjoyed the first half of Hereditary. Yeah. I, I will watch it again, but... There's just something... I, I don't know. Is it because H2O is a really good film, which I think it is, or because I saw that around the time that I was getting into film and I really connected with that? So is that a nostalgic element for both of us for that film? Yeah, like watching it now, I hadn't seen it for a, a few years. Watching it now, it is kind of a bit cheesy. You know, some of her lines are hilarious. Like, what are we going to do? Try to live. <laughs> Things like that are just hilarious. Um, but it's just so well-intentioned and it's so refreshing um, as part of this franchise and actually as part of the slasher phenomenon to have a grown-up final girl and to see what what that's like. And, and you've survived this trauma, but have you actually survived? Yeah. And there's that real tragic scene 
where Laurie is is out for lunch. This is a great school. You get to go out for lunch and actually have lunch um, with her with her co-worker. And he goes off to the, the bathroom and she gets another glass of wine and downs the first one. Yeah. It's really While still doing the other one and gets a dodgy look. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, just do your job. Yeah. <laughs> just earn your six bucks an hour. But she, I mean, it's pretty... Um, it's pretty ballsy to down a glass of wine in front of a waiter and then demand another one well, immediately. It's pretty ballsy to down a glass of wine. That shit anyway, burns. Yeah, I know. Yeah, even the good wine. Yeah. Becky with the good wine. Becky with the good wine. Even though the, the trauma is real and the effects are real, I feel that her life is... It's actually a really good life. You know, she is the head of this very prestigious school that seems to be very selective because there's not that many students. All the students can fit on three yellow buses. Yeah. Apart from the four that stay home. Mm-hmm. So she's got a really good life. She drives a great car. She can go out and have wine for lunch. It looks like a nice life. Mm. Compare that to the new Halloween. There is a, you know, it's almost the, the, the same thread. There is the trauma yeah. there. But you know, in the sliding doors that is Laurie Strode's life, <laughs> that is a, it's like night and day. There is a very big contrast between their two lives. Yeah. Did you see all the, we'll come on to that. Did you see all the, the psycho references in oh, this I love film? It. Yeah. Janet Lee as her secretary. But brilliant. not just that. I mean, there's Janet Lee as her secretary and goes, she gets all maternal. She goes, yeah, we've all had bad things happen to us. Then she gets in, the blue Ford yeah. and the psycho strings come on the soundtrack ever so slightly. But that's a lovely moment because if, even if you hadn't seen Psycho or Halloween or yeah. any of the horror, or films, even understood that that is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother, in yeah, real life. it's still a lovely little moment that yeah. is actually really quite touching, actually. Yeah, and that's the only the second time that Jamie Lee Curtis and Janet Lee had been on screen together. What was the first? The first was in The Fog, which was also oh, John Carpenter. I didn't realise that um, Janet Lee was in The Fog. Yeah, she, it's a pretty good film. I like that. It's pretty good. It's very atmospheric. I imagine it would be. It's got a lot of fog. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> was that... There is a slight clip of someone watching a film in the new one. Was that them watching The Fog? It was a man stood by the bonnet of a car, then he gets like electrocuted or some, something happens to him. It looked like some smoke behind him. I'm oh. assuming that's fog. I don't. I can't remember now. Yeah, but then there is Scream Two is in H two O. Yeah, I noticed that, which but makes me think that came out like two months before H two O came out. Well, it's the same company. So yeah, it's I know, fine. but it's still like, huh? But it also is confusing because in the first Scream, Drew Barrymore says her favorite horror film is Halloween. Yeah. So Michael Myers exists as a character in the Scream world, and yet in H2O well, they they're watching yeah yeah <laughs> they're watching a film that references the film that yeah. the franchise it's My... also incestuous and confusing but there's another psycho reference uh, Josh Hartnett's friend or John's friend as his character is called says to him about still living with his mum yes. 20 years from now you'll still be living with her probably running some motel out in the middle of nowhere what could that be um, what could that be Joshua uh, oh I can't I don't know can you tell me uh, Ronnie also calls Laurie a psycho. <laughs> well, that one's pretty full on, on the nose. But after, after, and I, I mean this in uh, the nicest possible way, after suffering Halloween 1 and 2, this was a breath of fresh air. This was like, I'm on, I'm on ground I can enjoy. Yeah. If I have to watch a slasher film, this is what I would rather it be like. Yeah, because it, it's, it's kind of affectionate towards the past. You get to catch up with... Um, Marion, the nurse from the first two yeah. films. Sadly, she gets killed. Yeah. Um, it's 
John Ottman's music is really great. Yeah. But they, they, it's really annoying though because the studio didn't appreciate how great it was. So all of the really memorable theme tunes in Halloween H2O, like Laurie's theme and the little cool weird stuff that he does with flutes and violins and stuff, is all John Ottman. And then Dimension were like, no, it's not scary enough. So they got Marco Beltrami who did the Scream films and they got him to remix for some bum 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 yeah his like bum, scream bum, stuff bum, in the scary bum, moments bum, bum, bum. so um but. but it's just the fact that structurally it doesn't follow the slasher no. uh, structure it doesn't go introduce a bunch of characters kill them off one by one reveal the killer in the end set something up for the future it's actually a drama it's and a it just so happens to have a bloke with a knife yeah who kills people but how did he know where Laurie was and where had he been for 20 years because this is it doesn't explain it at all it no it doesn't explain no. it at all and this is a, an example where i would have liked that information yeah i don't know they've only got 80 minutes to play with they could have gone longer they could have introduced why he knew because this yeah. this film hypothesizes that michael got blown up in the hospital at the end of halloween 2 in 1978 made in 1981 but said in 1978 <laughs> spends 20 years doing what and then turns up recovering, probably. Yeah, <laughs> like 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 Hellraiser, like piecing himself, just back piecing together. it together bit by bit by eating people in a, in an attic in Ealing. In Ealing, I'm sure Hell, I'm sure Hellraiser one was set in Ealing. Oh, it's right. that kind of leafy, yeah, kind suburb. of West London sub, suburban streets. Um, but he just shows up, and how does he know where she's gone? I know he's got a file from Loomis's office but how would loomis know and how did loomis survive yeah i know because if the information as to where Laurie's new whereabouts are hmm. um are in that file then that would mean that loomis survived the fire yeah in he fact did. he would he, yeah he would have because he had all newspaper clippings that fill in so how did he survive he's a, a hardy guy he was really pickled so much <laughs> That he just he just didn't get touched by the flames in the slightest. You didn't he, see, he was naturally flame retarded. There's a cut scene where he comes out going, <laughs> "I was on fire, everyone! I, I saw like, his oh, eyes. The evil, the evil is gone." <laughs> They're like, no, "No, Loomis, he's just there." Oh, my bad. This H two O is the only film in the franchise that doesn't explain where Michael gets his stuff from. Um, what do you mean, his stuff? Like his mask and his boiler suit. In every other film, we're told where he gets those things from, but in H2O, he just has them. Well, he got the boiler suit in the original one from the guy that Loomis finds in the hay. The garage. But, but where, does he get, where does he get the mask from? I've never understood that. Well, the mask, I think, but it doesn't really make sense because the, the alarm is still going off in the shop when Annie pulls up to find her dad at the hardware store. The alarm is still going off, but Michael's been wearing the mask for like a good few hours. But there's a throwaway line where her dad, the sheriff, says, oh, he took like a hammer and some masks or something. Oh, I must have missed that bit when so, I was asleep. Yeah. And that's that's a thing that the first one does really well, is you don't actually see the mask until, until he's wearing his it. first kill. Yeah. No, right. no, no. You see it. Because he's wearing it. In like when no, he's, but you don't when see he's... it full on. You don't see his actual masked face. Uh, no, no, you do. Because, I mean, he's not in close-up, but you see him stood amongst the washing and then at the end of the But he's the so bushes. far away, you can't really tell what it is. You can't tell if it's a mask or not. You can... Oh, I mean, he's so white. It's not Michael Jackson. 
That would be scarier. Oh my god! Especially if he's dangling he, me. Over, he, I'm going to kill you. If he's dangling me over a balcony. <laughs> Robbie blanket. Robbie blanket. 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 The weight of trauma and the weight of history is so heavy in this film that it's such an amazing moment, and I love it. It's one of my favourite moments in the the Halloween films when they come face to face yeah. on either side of a door. Oh, it's it's like chill tastic. It's so chilltastic. And that's great because that comes right after the the kind of the stalk and run sequence, which yeah. the first Halloween basically became, you know, set the mold for. Yeah. Which is like, you're running away, you're out a door, you can't get in, you've got to figure out how to get the, get in because the guy is right behind you. But they've got a door, they're in There's between two doors. Two doors and it's he's, so clever. It's But it's so tense. fucking tense. Ugh. And it is still tense. I mean, I know they don't die, but it is tense because it is that creepiness of this door behind me is locked Mm -hmm. the door in front of me is locked and it's stopping the killer but he's got a knife and now he's just seeing the keys on the floor he's like dum 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 because he just suddenly finds the keys and you're like oh shit it's learned it's learned how to use keys but the moment for me is made because jamie lee curtis infuses that moment with so much of everything of Mm -hmm. jesus christ there's Michael. Uh, what do I do? I'm not prepared for this moment. I've got a gun in my pocket. Look down, he's gone. What do you think that the franchise is saying about fate? Because there's a classroom scene in the first Halloween where they talk about fate. H2O, another classroom scene they talk about fate. They're not... No, I don't think they're talking about fate in H2O. They're talking about... Oh, that's Frankenstein. How, yeah, they're talking about yeah. how Victor Frankenstein had to face his monster. Yeah. But it's lovely that... I mean, obviously that first classroom scene in the first film it's Laurie Strode at the back looking out the window and seeing Michael stood there that doesn't necessarily mean he's stalking her could be you know the bad actress that you said (laughs) but then in H2O there's a girl Michelle Williams at the back and she sees Michael out the window and it's Mm. nice that because it's Laurie who's the teacher yeah the teacher in the first one is hilarious she's like she it was her fate to do it (laughs) He's like, who the hell is that? Hey, she had two lines and she is going to act the You're fuck never going to escape out of your them. fate. She's earning her $60. Leave her be. I do that love it though. when Great when, um, woman. She's probably dead now. I love it when horror movies set the syllabus so that you learn about what you're going to encounter. <laughs> well, that's just in your life. <laughs> but I, I do love the fact that they're talking about Victor Frankenstein because she has to then face her monster. Mm. She is Victor Frankenstein in mm. a way. Yeah, yeah. Well, she didn't create michael but she no but she is the one that has to face her monster michael is her monster yeah yeah. and she is being essentially she's been forced to face her monster victor frankenstein his friends and his family his life was stripped away because of the monster that he created Mm. so he had nothing left they didn't go in this film as far as that because if they had if you know if they had to go that way not only would her boyfriend have to die which he did by Michael's hand, John would have had to die. They would have yeah, had to kill yeah. Josh Hartnett. Yeah. And they probably could have done it because he wasn't as big a star as he would become. Well, introducing at... Josh Hartnett. Yeah, it was this and the faculty yeah. that were his two big ones. Mm-hmm. Then he did Pearl Harbor. Then he kind of did... Was that 40 Days and 40 Nights? Yeah, but then he did a load of films that you wouldn't think a movie star would do, but an actor would do. So clearly mm-hmm. he was rebelling against that kind of heartthrob thing now he lives around here he lives around Peckham doesn't he, does he? yeah I'm sure oh, he does look out for him yeah he lives right, around Josh. Peckham um, but hey they... Josh it's Josh <laughs> let's have a Josh off 
<laughs> we could have got him on the podcast yeah. today. But, you know, they, they could have gone that far. She could have lost everything. But what's yeah. interesting about this one is that she is running away from Michael, not just physically, because at times she literally is running away from Michael. But she has faked her own death. She's changed her name. She has removed herself from any form of, you know, being traced, any form of her old life. She's not even in Haddonfield. And yet in the new one, Hmm. She has remained in Haddonfield. She has remained with the same name. She is wanting Michael to come towards her because she wants to kill him. Hmm. So they flipped it. Yeah. Do you think that Michael is most effective when he actually is representing something else that we can understand? So, like, like what? Well, so as, as you were talking about H2O there, he basically kind of represents... Well, partly her trauma, but also kind of alcoholism, like this this thing that she has to overcome, this thing that she has to triumph over. Like alcoholism is a massive part of what is destroying her in H2O because she's trying to escape this trauma. I mean, it's, it's yeah, she's an alcoholic, but it's not, I mean, it's a very sanitized version of, <laughs> of being an alcoholic. It is. I she know. has a glass, she has an extra glass of wine for lunch and yeah. she has a little bit of vodka later While on. wearing her pearls. Yeah, but then, ha- but then the I first... had more to drink the other night when I ended up in the karaoke bar. <laughs> <laughs> but the first Halloween, he represents something else, doesn't he? He, he represents the, the fear that the suburbs are not yeah. as safe as you think. But in the first Halloween, he only really kind of enjoys killing teenage girls, really. Like, they're, they're his target. The boys kind of get in the way a bit. Like the garage dude who he jump, he chucks out of the truck. He just wants his boiler suit. Yeah. And the boyfriend is just kind of in, in the way. Yes. But he wants to kill teenage girls. And there's something really quite sinister and unnerving about um, a faceless man going into a house and killing young women. Like it's really horrific. And it's, I don't, as a young woman, I don't know if that's something you do fear, but... Imagine anyone. I mean, anyone fears would, surely. that, to be yeah, honest. But exactly. there is a particular, because we live in such a, maybe less so now, but definitely forty years ago, such a male-dominated society. Yes, that would probably be, be a gigantic fear for women. Maybe you know more so than now. That mm. yes, a man would come to the safe, leafy suburban street that I live on and and stab me for no reason, mm. and he's wearing a fucking mask. That's why Michael Myers is the only horror movie character I've ever had nightmares about. Ever. I've never had nightmares about. Have you not? No, none of them. Any I of mean, them. Any, not even like Hannibal Lecter or anybody. No. I mean, I remember well, we were on the holiday once in Bournemouth and the hotel showed the Goonies and <laughs> Mama shit me up so bad I didn't <laughs> want to go to Mama sleep. Mama Petrelli. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because she, she's terrifying she's as a kid. She's mad, isn't she? I mean, a man. She's mad. Oh, <laughs> she's a man. <laughs> but, you know, like, Sloth is just lovable. Yeah. Because he's not scary at all and he, you know, saves the day. He picks Baby Mama Ruth. up. But he picks Mama up, doesn't she? He. Yeah. Oh, he could be. I don't know. The agenda's yeah. a construct. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something about Michael Myers, though, that is so easy to imagine is in your house. Um, you know, like I watched rewatching these films. I didn't find them scary because I'm a grown up now and I do grown up. I'm grown up. All right. But there are still moments where if I was going to bed and I turned all lights off and I looked back to a dark 
doorway. Yeah. You could imagine that silhouette because it's so simple. Oh, I get that where you feel like someone is behind you. Yeah. Especially if I'm like turning all the lights off downstairs before going upstairs. You know, I have to turn the light off by the front door, which means I am in complete darkness to like get up the stairs. And it's freaky sometimes. Yeah, it's it's horrible. If I go downstairs in the middle of the night to grab something from the kitchen and the light's on in the kitchen, I can't see out into the garden. Mm. Like the first time I watch Halloween, I do often think, A, what happens if someone is watching me? B, what happens if they come right up to the window? Yeah, I know. What the fuck do I do? I mean, there's some nice double glazing in the way (laughs) and it's locked and the door is bolted. But what the fuck do you do? Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis said... Laurie Strode was her best role until True Lies. Yes. Is she bullshitting me? True Lies is a great role for her. That's what I'm saying. True Lies is a brilliant role. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is Laurie Strode her best role until that point? Trading Places, A Fish Called Wanda. Freaky Friday. Well, that was after. No, but that's still great. Okay. Yeah. Um, She's probably talking about the impact it had on her career. Like, it gave her a career. 100%. Halloween is the film that turned her into a scream queen. Mm-hmm. She did Prom Night, The Fog, um, various other Halloween too. You know, I didn't ter- realise. I mean, train. she is so removed from horror now. Yeah, she doesn't do any horror. Apart from this new and, and anything we you know, a bit tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. but Well, like Scream Queen's the TV series. Yeah, yeah, but she's so far removed from horror that I didn't realise that she was mainly known for horror as mm. a as a teenagers at early 20s as you said those like four or five films mm. up until halloween 2 when she said no more and then she didn't do horror until h2o which is not horror it's a thriller the only thing that i don't like about halloween h2o <clears throat> is the fake scares because there are so many of them well they're always based around the fact that she thinks she can see michael no, they're not always based around that because there's there are oh. times when when characters just like come around a corner and it's like Whoa! Yeah, but um, I get that all the fucking time. <laughs> all the time. But it just get there were just slightly too many in H2O for then just a bit too many for me to Well look, jump scares don't work. They don't work on me. No, no. But they don't work. They haven't worked since what was the first one to do jump scares? Was it the well, first Halloween? Well Jurassic Park was like, had a, had some great ones. And like Independence Day had a great jump scare. Did they? In Independence Day, the first one. I remember watching that in the cinema being in the back row um, with my family. And um, Show off. the bit where they're cutting open the alien's exoskeleton yeah. and it suddenly snaps open unexpectedly. I remember being so... I'm literally jumping in my seat so much that I cracked my head against the wall <laughs> at the back of the cinema. And you passed out. And that's the last time I've ever jumped in a film. <laughs> and that's the last time I remember anything. <laughs> then you woke up 20 years later. <laughs> aliens are everywhere. Was there a small part of Laurie that was sad to see Michael potentially destroyed at the end of H2O. Oh, there's such a great moment at the end there. Because she, she steals his body yeah, in the body bag, puts him into the van, the, rolls the van over. Um, he gets trapped between a tree and a van. And the way he jitters mm. and shakes is really, Creepy. really quite gruesome. Yeah. Um, and quite realistic. I mean, that's how a body probably would react. But then they're reaching out to each other. And I... And, I get that maybe he is doing that because he is, he's p- playing with her emotions. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get her sympathy yeah. in order to get her close and then kill her. But she's also reaching out. And I don't... Is it, is it because that's the last connection to her family that she's going to have? Because in this canon, they're still brother and sister. Yeah. 
or is there something else going on there um it's just there's just like a real sense of sadness about it it's really unexpected and that's why maybe it isn't necessarily a slasher film because it it reaches deeper emotions than just scares and kind of you know laughs and stuff it it really is quite sad you know she doesn't really he's meant he's meant so much to her in so many wrong ways yeah and now she holds her his life in her hands um and she's almost on the cusp of able to get rid of that monster yeah so maybe it ties back to the idea that he in this film at least partly is a metaphor for her her drink addiction yeah you know no one wants to give up the thing that we love even if it is damaging us yeah you know you often find you often hear stories like i know elton john when he was giving up drink and drugs his therapist said you need to write a letter and say goodbye Mm. because you've had this intense relationship with these substances probably the most intense relationship and most meaningful relationship you've ever had is with something that can't love you back it's only harming you so he had to write a letter saying you know i love you dearly we can't be together it's not gonna work out we're not good for each other if i see you at a party (laughs) i will acknowledge you there but i won't be able to talk to you wow so it you know really really i guess deep stuff and that's what i kind of read into yeah that's what i think maybe is happening at the at the end of h2o she's lived with the idea of the monster for so long that it's become part of her part of her identity is always running away constantly having that you know she has night terror she wait the the opening of her section of this film is her screaming herself almost to death in her sleep mm. she's drinking she can't have she's taking pills to get over the anxiety and exactly the stress, yeah. and she can't have a proper relationship with ronnie until she Ronnie. opens oh, up yeah. her boyfriend yeah um until she opens up and explains who she is with a really big large kitchen knife yes <laughs> it's actually doing a, a, an advert for ikea <laughs> but it's lived with her for so long that she's realizing in that moment that she's having to give up a part of herself mm. it makes me think of a song by alice cooper called how are you going to see me now when he got sober he realized that his wife has never met him away from alcohol and drugs. So he wrote a song pretty much saying, I don't know how you are going to react to me being sober, but we're going to have to relearn to sort of get to know each other again for real. And I don't know how I'm going to exist or how I'm going to be without alcohol. Mm. So how is Laurie going to be without her Michael? Yeah. That threat that 20-year threat, that insecurity of always looking over your shoulder, always making sure that, have I got everything in place? Because Michael could just be around the corner. Mm. I don't know, what would she be like? If this, had, if H2O had been the absolute final instalment in the franchise, what do you think her life would have turned into? Would she have stayed at that school? Would she have still been a teacher? I think she wouldn't be living in such such an isolated way it's like a locked school isn't it it's a locked school i think she could potentially remain as the head teacher but her life would be less stressful john wouldn't be so resentful towards her yeah because he's trying to control him and trying to protect him 
And he's like, I'm not doing this anymore, mom. It was like, great boo. And he's like, I'm not responsible. Yeah. Responsible. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, their life would become so much more. I mean, we've all been through it. We've all had anxiety and we've all been able to get through anxiety for however long. And your life just becomes so much more less stress. You feel less heavy. You feel, you know, the weight of whatever is, is giving you anxiety is lifted and you just feel lighter and free. So she would go on and she, at this point, she was only, if she was what, she'd be 38, 37 really. Yeah. She was 17 in the first film. 20 years later, she's late 30. So she's, you know, she's not middle-aged. Mm. She yeah. can still have this great life and she can go find a new boyfriend that doesn't get stabbed by her <laughs> brother yeah i would have loved for that to be the end of it my god i just it makes me so angry that halloween resurrection exists and it makes me really angry that i had to watch it for this podcast because <laughs> so I went, it's only 15 minutes I know, I only, <laughs> i'm really angry i had to pay three pounds for it online <laughs> <laughs> i went to see it in the cinema with my friend when it came out it was like the first year i was at university and i obviously loved h2o with a passion yeah and we me and my friend went to watch resurrection at the cinema and five, ten minutes in, I was like, oh, God, oh, God, this is not good. And then she was dead. And then they went into reality TV. And by the end of the film, I was so angry that we, like, huffed out of the cinema. And now, forevermore, it's been, how long has it been? Over 16 years. 16 years. For, we still call it the um, unnameable film. Unnameable film. We that, just, we, that's who shall name. not be named. The film that shall never be named. Do you think she regrets doing it? Oh, well... I don't know if she would regret it, but I don't... It's just not good and it's not fair. But like, yeah, it's not it's fair at all. terrible. Because H2O gave her such an amazing closure yeah. to her story, yeah. Laurie's story. And also Jamie Lee Curtis's story because it was her first horror in a decade and a half. She came back to it and she gave one of her best performances. Do you know it's, what though? Actually, she says that she only did H2O for the money. Which I really? think is doing herself a massive disservice. And I think actually. she's maybe just taking the piss and being a bit yeah. all, you know, because John's a bit cynical. John Carpenter, yeah, he's yeah. like, yeah, I just did it for the money. Like I should get paid. Yeah, I should get paid. I think and she, she was... did it because she loves that character, and they came to her. It's a really interesting con, you know, construct. It's a really interesting script. Yeah, but Halloween Resurrection just undermines it, and there's no reason for that. They could have just gone because that opening section has no connection to the rest of the film. So what was the what was the point? They um, they did a poll online before they made the film. They wanted to do what Halloween 3 did, which was, you know, do an anthology thing and yeah. just start a whole new story. And they did Because Halloween poll. 3 was Season of the Witch. Nothing to do with Michael Myers. It was to just do with this guy making pumpkin masks that were making spiders like come sh- out and kill Shamrock, people. Something Shamrock like that. masks or something. Yeah. Um, it's a good film, but... Yeah. I mean, and, it's good for shit. Yeah. And they did a poll on the internet and... Everyone, well, the poll results were everyone wants Michael Myers to come back. And it's like, don't listen to people. They don't know what they want. Or if you do bring Michael Myers back, just bring him back. Somewhere else. You don't need to explain. Because, you know, that is really over explaining. They've never explained much in the past. So why fucking start now? Well, they could just do another Halloween, like the first Halloween, where he just happens to pop up in another town yeah. and just starts killing people. Well, it's soon after that that Rob Zombie did his yeah. remake. Resurrection has like some of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen on film. 
I when I I mean I only watched the opening. I didn't actually watch the film. I don't think I've ever. Or maybe I have seen it. Tyra Banks is in it, right? Tyra Banks is in it. Buster yeah. Rhymes. Buster is in Rhymes. It. Yes. Buster Rhymes does like kung fu on Michael Myers at the <laughs> end of the film. Brilliant. It's awful, awful. Can we just not talk about this film anymore? <laughs> well, I'm going to move on to the new one. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> we need to get off of yeah, Resurrection. Get off it. So we saw the new one, Halloween. 2018. 2018. Confusing, because now this one completely retcons everything that went before. So two, three, it was in part of it. So two, four, five, six, H2O, and then Halloween Resurrection. That's completely wiped away. And this new one is a direct sequel to the original. Yeah. So it's almost as if for 40 years, Laurie has just been trying to survive... They're not well, brother and sister. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? They're not brother and sister. <clears throat> Michael's been in an institution. Laurie is still living in Haddonfield. She's got a homestead, gates. Got a ranch. A, a ranch. CCTV, big floodlights, a panic room underneath the kitchen counter, which yeah. is quite a lovely touch. Genius. Yes, it will up the price of the house. <laughs> but she is getting ready. She is gun ready. She knows how to hold a gun. She's got guns everywhere. She's like one of those post 9-11, the bad guys are coming. I've got to prepare for the invasion nuts. Yeah. And the level of trauma is, I think, more apparent and better executed in this one than H2O. Really? Yeah. Because she is completely estranged, pretty much, from her daughter, who was taken away from her, Mm. taken into care. She doesn't have much a relationship with her daughter. She has more of a relationship with her granddaughter. And the the level of mythos and the weight of history is greater in this one because it's been 40 years, not just 20. Yeah. I just don't think that they gave Laurie enough to do. I don't think that they gave her any new uh, kind of unexplored depths. Um, she probably has about 15 lines of dialogue in the entire film um one of them is very funny when she's like oh you're the new loomis which is very playful because that's the filmmakers pretty much saying we're trying to do things almost the same we haven't got loomis anymore because the fucker's dead both in real life and in the story so we have to have this new guy who's in place of yeah but if you compare laurie's development from halloween to halloween 2018 Mm -hmm. it's just it doesn't it is not interesting it just isn't it just doesn't work as well as it worked in h2o she's flat she barely says anything she she it's not about laurie like all these all the press around the film is this is laurie's film and jamie lee curtis owns it and she's amazing and like yeah okay she's the the last act of the film is pretty awesome and the final confrontation does stick in the memory and it's kick-ass and it is very crowd-pleasing but before that she's kind of driving around town you get a really tragic moment where she's crying in her car um you have a ridiculously like it's meant to be depressing but it's just shit moment when she goes and crashes the dinner and she starts drinking someone's wine it's like i'm sorry if you're an alcoholic you would not be that blatant i don't think about it um i just don't think that they did laurie well in this film at all i thought they were far more interested in recreating the mood of John Carpenter's original film um, and then introducing kind of young characters here and there. And they just didn't care about the relationships enough 
to to fully explore them like the trauma and the, the drama between Laurie and her daughter it's kind of there's a bit of mudslinging and it's all very superficial but you don't believe I never believed their relationship not for a second and there was really interesting stuff that could have happened between Laurie and her granddaughter like what well because her granddaughter was kind of like she's more sympathetic to everyone thinks you're nuts but maybe you're not and actually i think you're kind of cool um and they could have they could have had a far more interesting relationship i mean this is a slasher film i'm forgetting i don't think this is a slasher film again i don't think it's a slasher film yeah well i mean i think we're post even more yeah i think this is just as much a thriller and a family drama as h2o it just doesn't do it anywhere as near as effectively. I think that, I think that this Halloween has some great stuff going for it, and the, the mood and the music is amazing, um, and I think that if they had, if they had taken like the the, the script of H two O and shot it the way they shot this Halloween, new this new one, that would have been like perfection. Like get rid of LL Cool J, yeah, um, give it that really kind of rich but realistic kind of look that this film and john carpenter's film had like who is laurie i didn't understand who she was i so weird because i have the complete opposite reaction i completely got who she was she was someone who had gone through this horrendous thing 40 years ago and she's waiting because she wants to have her revenge she's not as weak as people think she's she might have been a silly little babysitter schoolgirl when it happened, but she's not weak and she's been waiting and she's trained herself. You know, she knows how to hold a gun. She knows she knows how to, you know, battle up her house, waiting for the inevitable time when Michael comes home. But you can compare that to Sarah Connor in Terminator 2 and she, Sarah Connor in T2 is fascinating and she does... Everything she does is A, to, to stop the, the baddie, B, to protect her son. And Terminator 2 does so, so much interesting stuff that is just like, even now just getting chills thinking about how when she hugs John and, and he thinks that she's hugging him, but actually she's feeling for bullet holes <laughs> because she wants to make sure he hasn't been shot. And it's this kind of caring, but just off-center. And I really wanted you to see pick, that with you Laurie. You did pick it up. But did you not pick that up from Halloween, this new one? At one point, she says, and I can't remember the actual line, I'm paraphrasing, she says something like, I don't care if they hate me, at least I've got them ready, at least I'm protecting them. Yeah, but it was all just kind of, it just felt like action dialogue. It felt thin. It just didn't feel, it just, I don't know, it, was just, it felt like something was missing for me. Did you I not enjoy any of it? Um, do you know what? I'm really struggling to remember it. <laughs> it was like four days ago. I know. Sorry. I'm really, really struggling to remember it. <laughs> I think the music was fantastic. Was like John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Yeah, but he did Halloween 2, the theme for that as well. And that was shit. Yeah. But he built on the original theme so well. Yeah. And he kind of introduced a bit of like an inception, like bong, <laughs> bong <laughs> thing, which was great, which I loved. Trevor McDonald. I loved the idea that um, they developed this idea of fate really well. They kind of introduced this really fascinating... It was like almost like a throwaway line that I really wanted them to actually investigate more. 
Um, they this idea that that Laurie being a victim has somehow made Laurie into a monster, and maybe her and Michael are kind of in this symbiotic relationship where they kind of survive on each other to define each other. Their they, lives have become defined by each other. But that's from H two O as well. It is absolutely yeah. But I think this one did try to push it slightly further and suggested a bit more nuance, but then didn't follow through. It then instead just had the crazy doctor who put Michael's mask on and was just a main, an actual maniac. <laughs> um, His eyes. Did this film humanize Michael for the first time? Yeah, because you don't. He has his mask off for like a good half of the film, I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it made you realize he is a man. And an old man as well now. Yeah, played by the original guy, Nick Castle. Well, in pieces he was. It was but actually, yeah, well, obviously yeah. not jumping around. But there's a great line that Laurie says when someone else is referring to Michael and they must refer to him as like a, a monster or a, a myth. And she goes, he's not a monster, he's a man. So even she recognises that, you know, as big and scary as he can be represented in my head and in other people's head and the myth of Michael Myers, he's still just a man. You know, but she, she hasn't... still refers to him as the shape, though. But, I saw the shape. But she hasn't got, you know, like a spell book trying to cast him back to where he came <laughs> from. She's got guns, and that's how you kill human beings. Yeah, which is one thing that is good about the retconning is that we haven't seen him getting shot a million times and still getting back up again. Yeah. You know, when we see her with this artillery, you think, oh, you know, she might actually do this. She shoots his fingers off and they don't grow back. Yeah, and he's got the scar in his eye, which is Yes, great. I thought that was brilliant, the fact yeah. that his eye was missing yeah. because she stabbed him in the eye with a hanger. Yeah. I just... The weird thing about the retconning of the previous sequels is that they then pillage from those films anyway. They do, yeah. Like, there's... Yeah, you laughed at this bit, and I recognise you laughing. The 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 woman with the rollers in the kitchen, yes, who he goes and kills or does something <laughs> to. That's Halloween too. The the hospital transfer, which they always do the night before Halloween, and the escape, and the teenagers having a party. That is Halloween four. Yeah. The the garage bathroom scene is H two O. It's bizarre how is that them saying yeah we've retconned it, but here's like. A better version for you i think i think it's one of those little things for the fans like the fact that you know you've got characters walking down the the street the, the guy who's played by um susan sarandon and tim robbins son he's the, oh really is that he's him? The, yeah he's the guy with the the tattoo on his arm saying tonight's going to be a night to remember i've got halloween uh, 2018 tattooed on my arm oh yeah no. so he's saying oh isn't Michael Myers meant to be your grandmother's brother and she says something along the lines of no that's just something people made up yeah. which of course they did make it up because you know John went and wrote Halloween 2 fiction is made up but at least in the context of the film it it works in two ways one it's in the context of the film that it's this mythos that is carried on and that Michael Myers is being built up to be this urban legend. So some people take it seriously. Some people don't. The guy even says, well, he only killed three people. That's like nothing these days, yeah, that is which funny. in a post post nine 11 world. Yeah, that is nothing. Nine 11 killed, you know, 4,000 people. And then the war in Afghanistan or wherever killed even more, but also it works in a way that is a hint to the audience. Like, yeah, we know Halloween 2 happened, but it's not relevant now. Mm. Like Do saying, you... you're the new Loomis. Yeah, yeah. 
But do you, so you, you said about humanizing Michael or making him into a, a man or something. Do you think that this is the first film in the series that is kind of where he hasn't represented something else? He just is this guy from an asylum. Because he's yeah, not, I think he's just he's not just, her trauma really anymore. No, he's not. Well, he is her trauma. He definitely is her trauma. She's not. She's only planning for Michael's inevitable return. Yeah, but he's not a he's not an allegory for anything else. No, her. She's probably still going to be a an alcoholic. She's probably still going to be quite fucked up. You don't go through forty years of trauma and come out of it immediately because you know you've closed the door. Mm. She'll be in therapy and, and fucked up. She won't have a great relationship with her, her daughter and her granddaughter until, you know, for you know, maybe never. Although the climax does kind of suggest, you know, when, when they're in the backseat of she's the, holding the knife. car and they're all holding hands together and yeah. it's all like, hey, look at us, we survived together. Yeah, but still, you know, when that peters off, you've still got 40 years of, of shit behaviour. Yeah, yeah. That, but know, she was right. She was right, yeah. <laughs> Fuck that daughter. Yeah, she exactly. was right. But it's like, you know, John Connor and Sarah Connor are not going to have a great relationship because of the way that Sarah has treated John. Yeah. It's for the, the greater good. Yeah. I really wanted that shot of them in the back of the car. That shot should have had such emotional resonance in the way that the end of H2O did when, you know, she, he reaches out and she... Yeah. That has such a powerful, complex, complicated emotional power to it. And that shot of them in the back of the car, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis has been going on about this is the first Me Too horror movie. This is the first Me Too horror movie. And I kind of agree. I completely disagree. (laughs) I think that's absolute nonsense. Look, it's about a woman who had something done to her by a man 40 years ago and now she's able to do something about it. But I think it, I think that it's just applying it's not a the deepest, movement. It's not the deepest connection. Right, it's it's so not like someone making a, a Me Too, you know, Harvey Weinstein movie, like if it was Spotlight or Zodiac, that kind of detailed, intelligent picking apart. But in terms of the first movie to come out in this new Me Too era, which is only a year old, it's only been a year and a little you know, just over a year since Ronan Farrow's article came out about Harvey Weinstein, which kind of kicked off this whole Me Too thing. The first movie to come out with those kind of themes, this is the first Me Too movie. It just happens that it almost gets un- undermined because it is a Michael Myers Halloween movie. Yeah. You can't take think. it fully seriously, but much in the same yeah. way that, you know, The Hills of Eyes has its deeper meaning or the night... Um, Return of the Living Dead has a political aspect to it. Mm. That can only yeah. be taken seriously so far because it is a movie about zombies. Yeah, or, that's true. Or, you know, mutants in the hills. Yeah. Is this the first time in a long time, maybe ever, that she is so unbelievably unlikable on screen? <laughs> um, maybe that's Maybe that was one of my issues with it, is that you... As much as you can't identify with Michael, I've really struggled to identify with her. Because with with H2O, you get this real picture of a fractured woman who is struggling, but you can understand what she's going through. Whereas with Halloween, she's so closed off. She's so shut off. You know, she the podcast guys come in to interview her. They're so annoying. She just, they're so annoying. Our podcast is annoying. Yeah, I know. I hate them so much. She just takes the money. She gives them about four lines and yeah. then she takes the money. Yeah, she's really cold and unlikable, actually. But she's quite warm in H2O. At least yeah. there's a caring nature. Yeah, exactly. There's, exactly. A, there's a sense of, 
even though I'm protecting me, I need to protect you as well, John. Yeah. Do you think here, even though she says she's protecting the daughter, do you think there's a sense that really she's just looking out for herself? It's difficult to tell, isn't it? Because she's she's isolated herself so much that, yeah, it's like, well, if you really cared about them, wouldn't you live a little bit closer to home? <laughs> or move away from Hannonfield in total. Well, yeah, true. Why were they moving him on Halloween again? For God's sake. Yeah. Did the doctor cause the crash? Was the doctor there? He was, was in, in the, the bus, car, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, maybe he did. Because he kept saying, Michael's only ever been tested or, or super... Um, analyzed in isolation yeah he clearly wanted to see him in action to see him with laurie yeah maybe i thought the whole doctor thing was pretty cringeworthy it yeah it was it felt like he was a hangover from let's say one of the middle films like four five or six yeah that kind of schlocky crap yeah like he he felt like um like a horror spoof yeah. Kind of like, oh, Michael Myers. Oh, no. What are we going to do? The violence was pretty brutal in this film. I think it's one of the most brutal, realistic as well. Which surprised me because if it was really kind of trying to adhere to the tone and the, the feel of the first film, you don't necessarily see a lot of um, violence happening, but you see what's, you see the after effects. You see lots of in broken bodies. No, in this one. I would say no. I would say this is pretty full on and you see a lot. No, well, you see the after effects. You don't really see him actually killing anyone. Yeah, you do. 100% you well, do. I can count like two or three that you actually see him so killing. So you absolutely see him using the male podcaster as a batting ram to try and break down the toilet door to get the other one. Yeah. And you see the effects. And it's not, it's not like horror movie comedy blood. He has got realistic, mm-hmm. you know, head trauma with the kind of way that blood doesn't splatter it sort of forms as another layer on your face mm-hmm. ballsy to kill that little kid in the car yeah that was not horrible. cut away but literally we see that kid die and it was so horrible like he just said that he gets joy from dancing and oh god yeah that was like a very Ugh. like that was a very modern thing yeah. like that kid is clearly gay yeah that's what they're hinting at because he and likes dancing and so it's either really backwards or really forwards and his dad was just so accepting of the fact that he just wants to dance he just I thought they were gonna, fucking dance i thought when he when we heard the crying baby i just assumed michael would give it a quick stab yeah and i'm almost almost like angry at them for not going all out because if like- michael is an uncaring killing shape then yeah he would have just stabbed that baby yeah, I was going to say that does he only kill people that he deems not, like, innocent in some way, but he kills the kid, so... He does kill the kid, know. but the kid had a gun. True. The kid had a gun. He also stamped on the face of the psychiatrist, and the blood, and the, the, the head popped open, you heard it crack open, and then the brain sort of splurged out onto the ground. That's yeah. real. That's a, and it, that was the only blow he gave. Yeah. It was like, literally, that was the only thing he did to the... the the doctor, and then the doctor died. So what a horrible way to die. That was the most Jason-esque death, I think. Yes. That was pure Jason. Um, and then there's the the woman that he just literally stabbed through the back of the neck. Yeah. And it comes out the front of her neck. That was really fucking brutal. Yeah. Because you see, you see the way her face changes. And of course, there's the, the blonde babysitter, and then her boyfriend who's stabbed against the wall like the first film, but then he has the tattoo. But so you, don't, you, don't you don't see, see her them, die. No, no, you don't see her die or him die, but those die. after effects... 
really, really brutal. I just felt it was really brutal because, it, mm. you know, if you're making another Halloween film and you want it to be as close to the original as possible, you can't go and be as subtle as John Carpenter was because audiences want to see that blood. You know, yeah. we can, we're very desensitized to it. We can turn on the television on, you know, the lunch lunch time, I think they said lunch o'clock, the lunch o'clock news and <laughs> literally see death and blood because we're so, so desensitized. So if you're making a film that deals with death and blood, you need to be even worse than the news. And also from a character perspective, he has been locked up for 40 years. And if he is someone who wants to kill, yes, he's going to get out and go to town, isn't he? It's like when you really need a wig after a long <laughs> film. <laughs> so violent. <laughs> just, the, I just had a really violent wig. Does it feel like a Halloween movie? Uh, yes, it did. Well, yeah, because it's got all the... It's got all of the hallmarks of a of a Halloween film. It does look like Halloween. It sounds like Halloween. If it looks and sounds like Halloween, it's, it's a Halloween, Halloween film. Is it the most Halloween film we've had since, let's say, number two? Because number two is, is as close to the original as you're going to get in terms of look, aesthetic, and, and, and feel, because they were made so close together. Yeah, probably, because it has that slightly grainy, gritty feel. Yeah. Halloween 4 did come really close to, to capturing the carpenter look, because it's yeah. all blues and smoky and dark, um, and lots of kind of houses and shadows. Like, Halloween 4 is, looks amazing, but this, this looks real. This looks like it is a real yeah. place. Where is it, Rob? It doesn't have that late 90s sheen that H2O no. has. Well, because David Gordon Green, he's... He's a, like probably the, the best director to ever direct a Halloween film, like the most established and kind of respected director. Yeah. And he brings... Let's like, off a couple of things he's done before. I know he did Stronger with my friend Jake Gyllenhaal. With your friend Jake. He did Joe, which I love. What happens in Joe? It's um, Nicolas Cage as kind of like a, a country dude with a beard. It's such a good film. You should watch it. Okay. It's really good. I love a bit of Nick Cage. He's um, got a new one out called Mandy. Oh, I really want to see Mandy, yeah. But yeah, he's he's got real credentials. Like he's a great director, um, and he brings a certain polish to this film that doesn't feel kind of sanitized. It feels real. It feels lived in. It feels like you could be there. But it's also Blumhouse, and as much as mm. they've made some shit, by and large, they always make really well-made horror films, and they have a a standard that they want to keep. Yeah, well, so Jay- it was in safe hands. Yeah, Jason Blum, who who is the president or whatever of Blumhouse, he um, he's a businessman, so mm. he wants to make money. Yeah, which of course, in the, if you're in the movies, you want to make money, and so he his business model is just kind of perfect because he makes good things on the cheap and they make money, and that's mm. how he can continue to do it. Um, and so he's done that with Halloween. You know, the rights reverted to. To, some, to Universal, I think. And so he went to them and said, I want to do this. And um, so he has. And I think that, sadly, I mean, it's great that he's done this really well, but he is a businessman. This film, I think, probably is going to do really well. They are going to make another one. Well, this is, this is my question. It's kind of a two-part question, or rather two-comment question. So Halloween 2018, retcons, everything. Is this film good enough to compensate for the fact that our favourite H2O has now been wiped from the canon. I don't think so. 
No. But that that may just be the belligerent H2O fan in me that just says, how dare you erase H2O? <laughs> but then when I watched H2O in 1998, I was like, how dare you erase Halloween 4 and 5? <laughs> so I'm completely fickle about this stuff. I do think it's re-watching Halloween 2 and seeing how utterly shit it actually is. Sorry, guys. Um, maybe actually Halloween 2018 is better than I remember it being. And I probably, I will watch it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually Halloween, the first one isn't, as good as everyone rem- remembers it being no it's i mean so that, creaky a lot of with a lot of john carpenter films i feel that the idea of them are much better yeah. than the way he pulls them off he's a brilliant character himself he's just not the greatest filmmaker yeah i feel that halloween 2018 yes i think it's good enough that it makes it okay to erase h2o from the canon because it's never going to go away, really. You know, we've got the DVD here and it's on Amazon Prime, so you can watch it whenever you want and you can sort of pick and choose which canon that you, you know, you adhere mm. to. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure game. Yeah, it's like a pick-and-mix. Yeah. But only, I'm only okay with it if this is the end. Because it's, what a great, what a great way to end it. She's got her closure. She's killed her monster. Again, mm-hmm. she's killed her monster. Boom, leave it. But I know, Blumhouse, they love it's a not- sequel. This is not, this is, there is no chance in hell this is the last one. No way. Um, and I don't know how they would continue with the franchise. I have no idea. I can't Jamie imagine, can, I can't she imagine she'll come back for it. She won't no. do another one. No yeah. way. Like, she'll take the money and run like anyone, but I don't Well, think she didn't get she'll... paid a great deal for this. She got paid scale, $14,000. That's true. And she, But then she gets a share. Well, I imagine she'll get a share. But they in terms do. of upfront, $14,000 is... In, in 2018 money is about $4,000 in 1978 money. <laughs> in 1978, she got paid $8,000, which is about 30000 in 2018 money. So she got paid half for this one compared to what she got paid for the original. But she knows that this is going to make money. So she's not stupid. She knows no, she's, she's, she's getting way more than that. She's yeah. basically just kind of like shoring it up and, you know, to for a year's Put it time into that panic room underneath her kitchen yeah exactly <laughs> i think in keeping with the the realistic violence that they were going for this wasn't a supernatural film the the violence was really realistic if you were trapped in a panic room underneath the kitchen and you were burning then you should stay dead so yeah. I, I really hope that they just you know if blumhouse he is a businessman but if he loves these films as much as the, you know if he loves halloween as much as he says he will just leave it well, he won't. <laughs> and also, there are no... Halloween 2 gives us a burning mask. Halloween this year doesn't give us any of that. We just see the room blow up and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, it's 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 so, both lazy and clever. Yeah. If you don't see a body, then there's Not no dead. murder. Exactly. There is that... As much as I hated... Or as much as I wished that they had developed the relationships more between the women, I did love that moment at the end when... Judy Greer kind of fakes out Michael. It's like, I can't do it, mommy. I can't do it. Oh, oh yeah. no. And she's like, got him. <laughs> that was very cool. That's pretty, like Judy Greer is that kind of actress who you love her when you see her and she's in everything. Well, she, she in? I don't know if she is. She's in everything, but she never gets to do anything. And this film gave her more than Judy Greer usually gets. And it was great. My favorite bit is the balcony switcheroo. That was very funny. And that got a a sizable applaud in the yeah. screening we went to yeah, and did. usually you know when we go to these screenings with 
you know, it's the press screening, so there's lots of reviewers. They're very hard to please. It's a very cynical feeling in the room, but it was, you know, it was really electric, and there were some wonderful, you know, you could just feel the room loving certain yeah. parts, and that one was the bit that everyone absolutely loved. There were some really clever flips. Yeah. So, like, when the granddaughter looks out the window and there's Laurie looking Yes, really yeah, but miserable. that that was another one that got, like, a... There was no applause, but you could just feel the room was loving that. Yeah. It's very clever. Yeah. Should we talk about our top three deaths? All right. You go first. Okay, so my number three... Yeah. ...is from way back in 1981, although the scene is oh. set in 1978. It's the jacuzzi melting skin <laughs> scene. I loved it. It reminded me of that killing so many killings that killing in jason x when the woman gets her face put in frozen liquid ice and then smashed on the countertop oh yeah and the makeup was really good you know every time he brought her up from the jacuzzi a little bit more red then bloody and then peeling yeah that's horrible and then he just slams her down on the floor it made me feel really uncomfortable when she was like chewing on his finger sexily Oh yeah, like, yeah. That was she not really taste? smell? Yeah, because he was filthy, filthy, and he'd been killing women all night. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not carrying any hand sanitizer no, around, is he? Unless he got... hides it in his mask, or maybe. Yeah, his back pocket. What was your number three? My number three is the dumb waiter in H two O. Oh yes. Oh, so cringe when her leg is hanging off. Good makeup though. Great makeup. Yeah, horrible, horrible boots she's wearing. <laughs> Very 90s boots. Yeah, it wasn't a good look. She was a great character. I loved her. What was her name? I've no idea. She loved a little nerdy kid, didn't she? Yeah, I she loved, loved I love that she loved the nerd. It's yeah. just great. My number two is the death of Dr. Sartain in the new film when Michael stomps on his head and the brains pop out. I yeah. just thought that was so quick and so almost effortless for michael it's like it's that's what they call brutal efficiency i feel yes it's like just get the job done mm. yeah don't mess around your number two my number two is also halloween h2o okay. so i just all three aren't from h2o i promise okay. um number two is marion nancy stevens the nurse who is in the opening scene in h2o well she just gets sliced in the neck it's just really suspenseful scene and i love the fact that even though she does everything right she leaves the house she goes next door she gets her little mates yeah then she goes back in the house and she's like oh fuck this and she gets out again and she still gets killed i know i think in that scene i think joseph gordon levitt has the worst death we never see it but he has a a ice skating blade to the face after having worn the ice hockey mask yes so it's like maybe jason did it or Michael just hates Jason. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number one is Laurie beheading Michael in H2O. Oh, damn it. That's a great one. Yeah, I just thought, because it's one, it's like one swoosh, boosh, head off, and then it rolls, and then the Halloween theme tune kicks in. Yeah. yeah. Your number one? My number one is from the original Halloween, and it's PJ Souls getting strangled by the phone. Ugh. Which has the double whammy of Laurie hearing it. And being yeah. Like, this better not be a joke, you guys. Great. <sighs> the first Halloween has the most hilarious death faces. Yep, like that one in the car where she just, just oh. doesn't even get stabbed, she just gets squashed against the window. <laughs> Ridiculous. She just like goes cross-eyed and everything. It's hilarious. <laughs> so that was Halloween. Halloween 2. <laughs> Halloween H2O. Halloween Resurrection and... Halloween. Confusingly, Halloween. Directed by, look it up on Google. Hey Rob, look, I've brought you a Halloween tree. Oh, what's that? It's from M&S. 
wicked wind up. I know it looks a bit like a ball sack. Why does it say wicked wind up on it? But oh, it's, it's it's a present. You've got to open the actual thing as well. Oh, and there's a present inside. Let me have a look. Hang on. So that does the same. Yeah. Oh, it opens at the end. The ball sack bit is the Halloween candy. That's the candy. Yeah. Let's and then the other bit is like something else. I'll post to Twitter. Have a look on our Twitter at TauntedTumbsPod. I'll post what this thing looks like. Let us know what you thought of Halloween. Which one's your favourite Halloween? Do you believe that all the retconning is good or are you just so utterly confused by it all? Let us know on at Torn Stubbs Pod on Twitter. We are also on the Apple Podcast app where you can rate us and leave a review. We're off to Haddonfield. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Cut. Cut.